and welcome to the Athletics NFL Power Rankings podcast. I'm Amy Perlopiano, NFL editor at The Athletic. I am Kent Garrison, filling in for Lindsey Jones, NFL producer at The Athletic. And the Super Bowl matchup is set. We are. We have the Chiefs and we have the 49ers heading to Miami. It is the teams that we... we we thought we were going to come out of the of the title games. I think we're not that surprised. We are a little bit surprised at how convincingly each won their respective championship games. And we're going to get into all that on today's podcast. We're going to talk to Seth Kaiser of the Athletic Kansas City and the and his Times Ours podcast to get into all the X's and O's of how the Chiefs beat the Titans. Then we're going to talk to David Lombardi of the Athletic Bay Area to break down the 49ers running game, that crazy performance from Mostert, and why they were so dominant in that NFC title game against the Packers, I think if you listen back to our podcast last week, I th- we predicted much closer games, uh, a much closer game in the NFC than the one that we got. So we'll break all that down uh, on this podcast. But first, let's get into a few moments from Sunday's first game in Kansas City. Kent, what were some of your takeaways from that game against the Titans? Yeah, uh, you know, got to hand it to the Titans for the run that they had. You yeah. know, it didn't end well, but I mean, to knock off Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick, and then to, you know, make Lamar Jackson look like he did uh, in that game, and and move on and, and play all those games on the road is super impressive. And I think all the Tennessee fans should be super encouraged about where that franchise is headed. Now, what they decide to do with the franchise tag and contracts with with Tannehill and Derrick Henry is another question and probably another conversation. But I, I just think the Titans are a team to watch for the future. And I don't think anyone should be discouraged that they lost to this Kansas City Chiefs team because they're just so dominant, really, on all fronts. A lot of people, I don't know if you did, Lindsay, but they predicted Kansas City at the outset of the season to be in the Super Bowl. So this was a team that we knew was good, and they proved it on Sunday. Um, You know, the Titans had a game plan to limit Patrick Mahomes. But honestly, Mahomes is going to Mahomes. He's going to find a way. And and he's just a a freak on, on all levels. And you can only scheme so much for this guy to be able to um, not be successful. And I just think the combination of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is just, it's too much for most teams to overcome, no matter how much talent you have on the other side of the ball. So that's what stuck out to me. And just the Kansas City crowd and the, the people of Kansas City just deserve this so much Yeah. For, for, you know, their team not being in a Super Bowl for 50 years, for their founder Lamar Hunt literally coining the term Super Bowl and for them not to have their own Lamar Hunt trophy for so many years it's just it's so well deserved and so long overdue for them so I'm just super happy for the people of Kansas City and the fans be able to enjoy this run and uh man it's going to be exciting times in KC over the next few weeks but uh, what was your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited that Kansas City's in it. I think it's it's good for the NFL that Kansas City's in it. People want to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I, I was secretly it, hoping for a Titans-Packers <laughs> Super Bowl just because it's Roger Goodell's worst nightmare to have the yeah. two smallest markets in the NFL in the Super Bowl. He's like crying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny, but, uh, you know, like the, the football gods didn't allow that. Yeah, the football gods were like, all right, we got we got to step in here and make sure this doesn't yeah. happen. So the Titans, the Titans run did come to an end. But I'm really excited the Chiefs are in it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Obviously, there's so many other storylines kind of at play here. The ones that you mentioned, Kent, the Kansas City drought. And then Andy Reid, you know, he's been in it forever. He's a long-term coach, never won a championship. I think – 
it would be, you know, really exciting to see that happen for him uh, and see it happen with this young team. And I think what was interesting here again is and what the 49ers are going to be worried about is this idea that kind of what happened, the Titans went up early, right? They went up 17-7. Kind of, you know, some people started to panic, think like, oh man, it's going to happen because, you know, I think Chiefs fans never believed that they could actually get over the hump. Um, And then, you know, it's just the Chiefs get the ball back and they they score in, in... so quickly. And then all of a sudden it's like they're playing on fast forward and everything is moving so quickly and they can just turn around the game just like that. And that's what we saw, obviously, in, in hyper speed against the Texans. Um, but we also saw it a little bit against the Titans. You know, playing from behind is not an issue really for the Chiefs, at least mm-hmm. against these last two teams. I think it'll be a little bit more of an issue against the 49ers and that defense that they have because it is such a dominating defense. And I do think that I, you know, I thought that the Packers would be a better matchup for the Chiefs in terms of a, a, a victory for the Chiefs. I think mm-hmm. that that probably would be the preferred matchup. I think the 49ers is going to be tough and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. We're going to talk to guys on both sides of it and and see, you know, we've got, you know, the explosive offense against the dominating defense and, you know, sometimes recently that has gone the way of the defense uh, prevailing. So, I don't think it's the ideal matchup for the Chiefs. But again, it seems like, you know, even if they kind of fall behind early, if they get that chance to to, to play from behind and go into kind of high gear and start scoring, they, mm-hmm. they don't stop. So I think it'll be really fun. I think it's got the potential to be a really, really great Super Bowl. And I just want to say one more thing about Andy Reid. Uh, you know, being a, a coach to lead multiple teams to a Super Bowl is so impressive to do that. I think the last one to do it was John Fox in, in 2013 uh, with the Broncos. And he, of course, led the Panthers to them. But, I mean, he's joining elite company. You know, the Don Shulas, the the uh, the Bill Parcells, the Dan Reeves, the these coaches that have etched their place in NFL history. And I just i am so happy for, for Andy Reid. And hopefully he gets that win because I think he's just such a great coach who really gets the most out of his players. He, he's a respectable guy. And I just think it's long overdue for him to get a, to be ho- hoisting that uh, Lombardi trophy at the end of the day. So that's what I hope happens. But, you, you know, honestly, you never know. Before we talk to, to Seth Kaiser more about the Chiefs, I just think, Ken, we can't move on without talking about that amazing Mahomes run touchdown. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the yep. most incredible things. Um, you know, just I think I watched it like 15 times just being like, how did this even happen? You know, right. just seeing again, it's just it's kind of what you said, Mahomes, you know, Mahomes is just going to Mahomes. Like at the end <laughs> of the day, he's a you don't this guy's incredible. He's like, like a Madden the, the character. Thing, you yeah. Know? yeah. How does that even happen? You know, <laughs> what does he even do? How do you how are you even that athletic? To, to do those things that he's doing, um, you know, seeing him spin away from the tacklers. I, my favorite part is at the very end when he's like a yard away from the end zone and he spins away at the end and falls in. Just just really exciting to watch. And uh, just one of the more memorable plays um, in kind of recent NFL playoffs. Yeah. Nate Taylor wrote a, a great piece on The Athletic about that play. And they've already dubbed it the run, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's already he said it's already taken a place in Kansas City history, you know, as the, as this most iconic play and just great for him, great for the Kansas City fans, like I said, and and they deserve to be etched in history finally after 50 years. And now to join us to talk more about the Chiefs who are heading to the Super Bowl, we have Kansas City Chiefs film analyst for the Athletic KC, Seth Kaiser. Hey, Seth, how's it going? 
It is going fantastic. I never get tired of hearing people say that, the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> who are headed to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a really exciting stuff. So let's get right into this. Let's talk about their, their win on Sunday for a little bit first, their win over the Titans. So obviously a huge part of their win was stopping Derrick Henry. So in his first two playoff games, Henry rushed for 182 yards and then 195 yards. And against the Chiefs, he had only 69 yards on 19 carries. So Seth, how did the Kansas City defense shut down Derrick Henry? Well, there were a few different things that they did that I really liked. They actually, their front four dominated the line of scrimmage in a way that I hadn't really seen happen to the Titans. Even early in the game when Henry was running the ball a little bit better, you weren't seeing those huge holes getting blown open outside of one or two runs that he was seeing the rest of the playoffs. They they just did a really good job. The interior guys, um, uh, Derek Nottie, Xavier Williams, Mike Pinnell, kind of, you know, the the... The understated big uglies that no one ever talks about because it's 2020 and apparently that's not that, you know, that's not supposed to matter anymore. They did an excellent job maintaining discipline, holding their gaps. Uh, The linebackers did a good job swarming to the ball. It was clearly a point of emphasis for them. And basically what ended up happening, they, they did a good enough job to where running the ball wasn't really effective or efficient for them they were only they were only averaging you know three or four yards a carry four or five yards a carry good but not enough to really help them match up against the Chiefs offense so once the offense kind of woke up they had to move away from it so it was part the Chiefs defense playing very well early and then part the game situation just forced them to go away from Henry yeah you talk about this defense of the Chiefs, and they've really made an impact. And we know the offense is good, but the defense has really stepped up. What have you seen from Chris Jones? We know he's been mm-hmm. battling an injury, and he played less than 50% of the snaps uh, against the Titans. But what have you seen on film from Chris Jones that leads you to believe he'll make an impact in the Super Bowl? Sure. Uh, Jones is one of the most... He's one of the best interior pass rushers in the league. Um, I would stack him up against anyone. Um, You know, there's Aaron Donald and there's everyone else, right? He's in that 1A category where whether you want to talk about the Buckners or the Coxes of the world, whoever, that's where Chris Jones belongs. He's got a really unique combination of athleticism and strength. And he's got very, very powerful hands. And so he's able to just throw linemen out of the way and he can also shoot gaps. There's no real correct way to play him. He leads the league at least I in my mind he does in what I call the manliest way to sack a quarterback which is to actually just back <laughs> the offensive lineman right into him <laughs> and rush, use yeah. His own, yeah use his own lineman to, to knock him down um, so he's just he's a very difficult guy to handle he's got a really good motor um, and so you know he's got the calf injury his impact was obvious even playing limited snaps against the Titans, he would come in and their pass rush was suddenly much better because with pass rush, you really need two elite guys if you want to have consistent push. And Clark does a good job, but once when Jones gets in there, you can see the impact, how much more quickly the pocket gets pushed, which creates opportunities for the edge rushers. As a run defender, he's an excellent gap penetrator. And so he's often able to redirect running backs in the backfield, force them to go a different way or hesitate, or even bring them down outright. So he's going to be a really vital piece in making sure that San Francisco rushing attack maybe doesn't have as many opportunities to, you know, like against Green Bay, they're sprinting for 10 yards before anyone even looks at them. He's going to be a huge part about preventing that. And then obviously getting pressure on Garoppolo when he drops back. 
Right. So, Seth, in this game against the Titans, it seemed, especially in the second half, that Andy Reid was really able to kind of control the game in, in that second half and take over with his game plan. What did you see from Andy Reid's game plan that was really successful against the Titans? And what might you think from that they they will use against the 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl? Sure. Something that I really liked that Andy Reid did, especially in the fourth quarter, he's kind of developed a reputation of getting too conservative late in games and altering what got them a lead. Right. He'll he'll start running the ball way, way, way more rather than just enough to bleed the clock a little bit. Something he did differently in the fourth quarter of this game is they kept throwing the ball. Which when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have, you know, Kelsey, Watkins, Hill, that whole group, it makes sense to continue to throw, especially in Andy Reid's offense, where he's able to kind of mitigate the risk of throwing the ball by designing a bunch of, you know, short throws, whether, you know, depending on whether they're in man or zone, it'll either be, you know, short slants and crossers or curls, comebacks, that sort of thing. And he'll he'll design shot plays into that as well. It's like, well, everyone else is going to run a, a short route, try to gain us five to six, seven, eight safe yards and we're gonna have one guy go over the top just in case you know they they leave you know they don't have a safety back and so i really appreciated that he hung on to what got them the lead in the first place rather than going back to a little more conservative game plan it's kind of you know the whole you know put the put the boot to the throat thing just just keep going and keep going don't assume you have it won and i think that really helped them down the stretch they converted multiple first downs by continuing to throw rather than trusting this idea to just bleed the clock Seth, we can't get you out of here with talking about patrick mahomes uh, this guy <laughs> is absolutely incredible he defies logic uh you know he got off to a little bit of a slow start this season uh you know certainly he he peaked where it counted, obviously, and and <laughs> it wasn't the 2018 season by any right. means. But what have you seen from Patrick Mahomes as he's come on late in the season? Is he doing anything sure. different schematically in the playoffs that's that's given them more success than what they were doing in the regular season? Sure. There, there's a few things that Mahomes is better at this year than he was last year, and I'm not seeing anything that he's worse at. Uh, a big part of what happened this season, and it's easy to forget, everyone knows that he dislocated his leg, but it's easy to forget that he, he sprained his ankle in week one and played through it. But every single game up until he dislocated his knee, you would see him looking like himself, throwing the ball really well. Then he tweaked that ankle and his accuracy would plummet because he couldn't plant on the foot and he couldn't move around nearly as well. And so he played half the season hurt. And so once he got fully healthy and was really back after a few weeks from that knee, we finally seen him been able to do the things that he did last year and then some. So the things he's gotten better at this year, you'll see him throwing to his first read more often than playing schoolyard ball. And people sometimes wrongly attribute that just to the play call. But generally speaking, quarterbacks, they set their first read after looking at the defense. And Mahomes has gotten more comfortable reading defenses pre-snap. He's also tightened up his accuracy a little bit. He doesn't make quite as many risky throws as he did last year. And you see that he's just a little bit quicker going through his reads and navigating the pocket in a way rather than just bailing out and doing something Superman, which is very fun to watch, but not as repeatable. He instead steps up into the pocket or just moves moves a little more subtly in within the pocket to try to make plays that way. So he's basically just tightened up on those veteran aspects that really only come with time. Yeah. All right. So Seth, before we let you go here, we obviously, I, w- I want a prediction from you, but quickly, oh, no. uh, 
you know, obviously in the past, because we've had these other Super Bowls that are, you know, really great offense against a, a kind of dominating defense. And that looks mm-hmm. like what we've got so far. And in the past, that has gone in the direction of the defense, at least recently. Yes. So, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup between the 49ers and the Chiefs? And then mm-hmm. we got to get it. We got to get your game prediction before we <laughs> let you go. <laughs> it, it is a really good matchup. The What makes the 49ers defense so good is that they don't have a lot of there's not like it's not like they're just dominant at one thing and then you know kind of weak at another thing they're just good all the way around um they've got good they got good secondary guys they've got great team speed they've got a strong front seven um they they can be strong against the run but they also have an awesome pass rush mm-hmm. and so it's a tough matchup. I mean, they're just a really, really good defense. So in terms of how I see it playing out, I think a lot of it is going to come down to whether you get another one of those just absolute upper tier level performances from Mahomes. In my experience, you know, I've, I've charted every snap Mahomes has ever thrown. In my experience, it really isn't about the defense that he's playing. It just isn't. He really is still. It, it, yeah. And that sounds terrible to say. I hope people don't know. Oh, yeah. this Kansas City it doesn't matter what you try to scheme up. It doesn't it, matter. It, yeah. it really doesn't. When he's playing at his top level, you know, like say last year, you know, he'll drop 35 in the second half of the game on Bill Belichick's defense. If he's playing at his absolute peak, the only thing that I've seen slow down the Chiefs offense really has been drop passes or penalties, right? Yeah. So that would be the real thing to watch for. I would put it not as much San Francisco's defense against Mahomes, but against the rest of Kansas City. If they are able to be physical to kind of slow down some of the routes that Kelsey's running, kind of jar Tyreek Hill, really take those guys out of the game and some of those other guys don't step up, that's how you can slow down the Chiefs offense. Um, with prediction... I I think a lot of this is going to come down to coaching because you've got such talented units on both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think and I've really stepped back and thought about this because I've been a Chiefs <laughs> fan since I was like five. And so I want them to win so badly. But the more I think about, it, you know, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo and Brandon, Brendan Daly, they've all been here before multiple times. Right. There's a much there's much more experience on their side than there is in, on San Francisco side. And that's not to take away anything from what that coaching staff's done. They've been tremendous. I just think there's a lot more experience on the side of Kansas City, which in theory should help them navigate Super Bowl prep, which is different than everything else, right? And so yeah. I, I'm, my hope is that that leads to a little bit of an edge for Kansas City. I, I think it does lead to an edge just because you've got more experience there. So I, I think the Chiefs are going to win a close one. But nothing would surprise me. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I have high hopes for this one. Uh, I think it should be fun regardless. So, Seth, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, you can check out all of Seth's very in-depth film uh, analysis at The Athletic KC. And, of course, also check out his podcast, Times Ours, which he does with Nate Taylor. um, And that also you can find at The Athletic as well. Thank you so much, Seth. Thanks for having me. All right, so now we're going to get into the NFC Championship game. And this one, we kind of got this one wrong, at least on the podcast <laughs> last week. Uh, we were talking to Match Nineman a little bit, and I think Lindsay, Matt, and I all agreed that we thought that this game was going to be a lot closer than the game that these two teams played in, in November. And it really wasn't. I mean, the final score was a little bit closer, but that's just because the Packers got some points late. It never mm-hmm. really was that close at all. Um, and this game plan that the 49ers put together 
together was <laughs> quite quite unique. Um, obviously, it became the Raheem Mostert show, 220 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> and then the thing that we're going to be talking about, like a lot of people are talking about, Jimmy Garoppolo's stat line, you know, six for eight for 77 yards. That was the stat line. And yet they still scored 37 points. Um, right. And it worked. It worked out for them. You know, he didn't need to do that much in that moment. That's not to say that he's not capable. I think that they just figured out a way to to work. The running game was working, so he didn't have to do much more than that. Right. Right. Exactly. You said it. If you can run at will, you run at will in this league. Um, You let your your offensive linemen dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, The way George Kittle has been blocking has been tremendous, too. And and you just let those guys go to work. And and I think every team in the NFL, if they can get their run game going, they're going to they're going to rely on that. You know, that's been Tennessee's entire game this entire season has been Derrick Henry just being able to bull rush people and and have his way. And when that didn't happen, you, you put the, the ball in the hands of uh, Ryan Tannehill, you're going to have problems. So, yeah, I agree about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I think he can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. I think he has the the skills necessary to to put up 40 against the Kansas City defense. And, you know, he might have to do that in the Super Bowl. But you know, what impressed me most about, about the running game is that who is Raheem Mostert? I'd never, I didn't yeah, know about know. this guy, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm from Dallas. And so we just paid a the fourth overall pick $90 million, you know. So <laughs> when I'm seeing like you can draft a guy out of nowhere and he can run for 220 yards and four touchdowns, in the NFC championship game, it makes me yeah. rethink everything about what the running back position is in the NFL these right. days and whether they should pay Derrick Henry and all these things. So I just think the game plan was great for, for Kyle Shanahan and, and, and props to him. I gave props to Andy Reid a bit earlier, but you know, he becomes the first father son duo to lead two teams to, or to lead their teams to the head coach with his, with his dad, Mike Shanahan. So that's a really cool yeah. historic thing. And, and for him to be able to get there so quickly, considering how tough of a rebuild that's kind of been for San Francisco and John Lynch and and them, you know, not not really tanking, but going for the number one overall pick and having to build that thing essentially from the ground up after the Colin Kaepernick era ended there has been really impressive. The turnaround in such short of time, I think a lot of teams in the league can look at what San Francisco is doing from a roster building standpoint and really use it as a template for going forward. But this, this San Francisco team has been super impressive with a lot of, of players that I had no idea who they were before this season. But I mean, it's all about coaching and it's all about putting your players in a position to succeed. And they've certainly done that. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting, this coaching matchup. We've got Andy Reid against Kyle Shanahan, kind mm-hmm. of old guard versus new guard right. type coaching matchup. And, you know, Andy Reid's 61, Kyle Shanahan's 40. Uh, Tim Kawakami actually over at the Athletic Bay Area wrote a story uh, today, it went up today, about Kyle Shanahan and his role in the Falcons kind of Super Bowl collapse. He was the offensive coordinator during mm-hmm. that infamous, you know, collapse against the Patriots and how that has become kind of part of his strength with the 49ers and the learning from kind of potentially getting not aggressive enough toward the end of that game and getting complacent and how that's uh, affected the way he coaches now with the 49ers. And so you should check that out. And I I just think there are a lot of intriguing storylines around both the players and the coaches. I I think watching this coaching matchup is going to be really, really fun. I think we've obviously got offense versus defense. We've got, you know, one of the most dominating defenses all year versus uh, an offense that, 
maybe wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be at the beginning in the Chiefs, but then has certainly locked in now. The Chiefs offense is, is who we thought they were and is uh, mm-hmm. is explosive. And so that matchup is going to be really fun to watch. And then we've got just got the coaching. I do think that this game is going to be close, and I do think it's going to come down to coaching. So it right. kind of getting that matchup between Reed and Shanahan is, is going to be really exciting. Exactly. And just to, to end this, before we bring in our guest to talk more about this, uh, I want to I talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and kind of what this means for them. Because yeah. does this mean their day, you know, Aaron Rodgers' best days are behind him? Uh, you know, yeah. does he have his, the ability to take a team to the Super Bowl anymore? Uh, yeah. Or is this more indic- indicative of what the 49ers are this year? They're just a completely dominant in, uh, team in the NFC. They really have been all season. But, you know, Mike Lombardi put a, uh, you know, had a piece earlier talking about that Matt LaFleur's job in this game is one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen in a, in a playoff game, let alone an NFC championship game. So I just don't yeah. know if this should make some people a little bit nervous in Green Bay about what this team is going forward. But, um, yeah, it was not a good sight. I, I did not think this would be close. Uh, uh, you know, I thought this would be close. I did not think this would be a blowout to, by any means. I still thought the 49ers would win, but I thought it would at least go into the second half. But, uh, yeah. wow, this was this was insane. So Yeah. The, uh, just quickly on that, Mike Sando's pick six from this week, he talked to a couple of veteran coaches, uh, and one of them did say that a Sunday was, quote, the worst of Aaron Rodgers. So kind of put it on on Aaron Rodgers being a terrible performance mm-hmm. for him, even though even though the stats wouldn't necessarily tell you that. If you look at the stats, they are, you know, it's not terrible. His stat line, he does have good numbers, but the performance overall, I think, uh, you know, not not what we were expecting. And whether that's LaFleur, whether that's Rogers, whether that's the partnership, you know, we don't know. We're going to have to see how it goes in year two of their partnership next year. But not the ending they wanted to this season, obviously. I mean, obviously, of course, they wanted to be in the Super Bowl. But I think also, you know, I think right. a lot of us expected this to be close. Like, it, we expected it to be. They All year, they talked about how they didn't get respect for being 13-3 and three and all this. And we kind of saw why. Because they fell flat against the Niners in the biggest moment. So... So to talk more about this game, we are now joined by The Athletic's David Lombardi. You can read his work on The Athletic, and you can hear his voice on Here's the Catch, one of my favorite shows on The Athletic and favorite titles of his show, for sure. Uh, Dave, it's good to have you. Thank you for being here. We know you're, you've got a lot going on, but we wanted to ask you about this 49ers team. And first, we'll start with, with last week's game against the Packers. It was an absolute domination pretty much on all fronts. And uh, we wanted to know what you saw uh, about the game plan and why it worked so well. Well, it was a repeat of what we saw in November. And I think that a lot of people try to talk themselves into thinking that the Packers had a chance in this game. But at the end of the day, it was the same 49ers team that had just thrashed the Packers 37 to 8 in the first meeting, plus D Ford. And D Ford is a Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher. And that's a huge deal to the 49ers in there. 4-3, cover three scheme. You have to have speed coming off the edges. And even though they didn't have him that first time against Green Bay, they were able to work around it. Well, when they added him, 
Uh, I think the halftime score of both games uh, showed the impact of that. The first time it was 23-0 at halftime. The second time it was 27-0 at halftime. So you had a far superior team get even better through a key addition. And that was why uh, the thrashing was the way that we saw it. Now, the second half, obviously, Green Bay got some things going offensively. But I think that was as much about the 40, uh, as much about the 49ers taking their foot off of the gas pedal as, as anything else. And it was one of those games where, it, you know, the 49ers have built a very fast, complete, deep football team. And when they're at full health, they're going to be able to execute their vision. And their vision is one of speed. And it's not just cliche. They have drafted, they have signed really fast guys. And I think it's the 49ers and the Chiefs when you talk about the two fastest teams in the NFL. So that's why we have a, a very fitting Super Bowl here. But it's about speed, but it's about also a combination of speed and physicality up front. And that's why this 49ers defense is so good because they can be physical. They could, you know, really stonewall that interior running game if they need to, but they're also really fast on the edges. And the same thing happens for them offensively. They're able to run 40 plus times, but they're not doing so in a, oh, we're going to plod behind Derrick Henry. 35 times a game kind of way they're running 40 plus times they're running outside zone they're running with some of the fastest running backs in the nfl we saw raheem mostert have a huge game and that's something that it's a combination that's just extremely powerful because they're being physical at the same time that they're being fast and normally those fast teams are finesse teams that's not the case with the 49ers and i think that was on full display in the nfc title yeah, and I mean, you just mentioned Raheem Mostert, and we we have to mention him and, and the way that he played in this game. He had a, a an insane game, 220 yards and four touchdowns. Tell us more about Raheem Mostert. I feel like this was kind of his breakout game for a lot of people watching it, and then what, what we can expect from him in the Super Bowl, how, how they might utilize him there. Well, the 49ers have treated their backfield as a pitching staff this year. I think baseball is a good analogy for a lot of things. We have Game 7 of the World Series coming up uh, on February 3rd in Miami, so that's going to dictate how the 49ers use their playbook and how they use their running backs, but I think that Kyle Shanahan has been very smart about this backfield. A year after every single 49ers running back, including Raheem Moster, got injured. In 2018, he broke his forearm. He was done for the season, and th th there was just terrible attrition through Throughout that group because it's it is a smaller unit like I said those guys are so fast that you have to trade some bulk you're not going to have a Derrick Henry in a Kyle Shanahan backfield and Raheem Mostert is one of those lighter but extremely fast guys it, the best way that I can describe his running style is it looks like he's ice skating out there it looks like it's ice and, and he has blades on uh, his his run and, and his style is just has such a glide to it. And I've really actually never seen that out of any other running back. Some guys are just really fast sprinters and their legs are churning furiously. You know, some guys are obviously uh, more elusive, but Raheem Mostert just glides. It's like he's ice skating. And that's why uh, he's able to, to scoot on by so many would-be tacklers with such effectiveness, but they've kept him fresh throughout the course of the season by mixing in Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and Jeff Wilson. And I think that all culminated in uh, what we saw on Sunday, those 29 carries in which he looked like he was as fresh as, as, as it were week two in the regular season, not week two of the playoffs for the 49ers. And and I think that's huge. I think the fact that they've mixed and matched their backs in, in such a way and they'll continue to mix and match them in the Super Bowl to run with the hot hand uh, has allowed the 49ers to peak at the right time. And, and I do think that Mostert will likely be the hot hand again, just because statistically he's been the best of the 49ers backs this year. 
but I wouldn't be surprised to see contributions from other guys in that backfield as well because they're more than capable. Let's talk a little bit about this 49ers defense and what they were able to do against Aaron Rodgers and shut him down. You know, Nick Bosa and company have been so impressive this year. What do you see from them and what's your overall analysis heading into the Super Bowl of this defense? The defense is also fresh and it appears that they're at least close to peaking at the right time. It's it's hard to say peaking because they were so good. I mean, we're talking historically good in weeks one through 12 of this season. Then in weeks 13 through 17, they had numerous injuries, including that one to D Ford that I talked about. But they were also dealing uh, with life without Quan Alexander, one of their inside linebackers and uh, maybe their most important defensive back. I know this is funny to say, but Jaquaski Tart runs all the communication in the secondary. He's the strong safety. And he was out there for about a month with a rib injury, which he's now slightly aggravated, but I think he'll play in the Super Bowl, which is a big deal for the 49ers. But they weren't nearly as good in weeks 13 through 17. It was a roughly average defense in that time period. We've seen them return to dominance here in the playoffs because they've gotten those guys back. One guy they don't have anymore is DJ Jones, who's out for the year with a high ankle sprain. He was the nose tackle that was a huge part of weeks one through 12. So that's why I'm hesitant to say that this defense is peaking, but they're sure close to peaking because they're almost fully back to that original September health. And like I said, they roar around the edges. They've got really good interior linemen. They have very versatile linemen like Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, who can also line up on the end if they need to. And they're just a terror up front. And because of that, because they line up in this wide nine alignment up front and just get after the quarterback with that combo of size and athleticism, the linebackers who are really fast, they're light, but they're really fast, can just roam and eat behind them. And also because of that, that secondary has been eating behind them too because that pass rush unlocks everything. All right, so before we let you go, uh, just in terms of their game plan against Green Bay, it was kind of masterful, right? It was exactly what they needed to do. They really shut them down, and they dominated that game. Can this game plan work against the offense of Kansas City, against that team, which I think a lot of people would agree is, is better as a whole than the Packers are? And what do you, how do you see, what's your game prediction? How do you see this playing out? Well, I have a bold prediction and I'll start Ooh. with the bold prediction. I've been, you know, I've been really talking about it to myself and on Twitter today. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. Wow. That's, the, right. you, you know, you, you, I, I, the, the, the narrative right now is just a little hard for me to grasp. Everybody, I think, has, yeah, I think there's a big problem with recency bias. And mm-hmm. Jamie Garoppolo threw eight passes versus the Packers. He only threw 19 versus the Vikings. But the eight passes versus the Packers, for some reason, have seemed to, to grab people's attention. And uh, I'm seeing ridiculous comparisons like uh, Bob Greasy and and Jimmy Garoppolo, the same quarterback, and Bob Greasy, the quarterback of the Dolphins, didn't throw all too much back in the day. I think he won an AFC title game with, with only six passes. But throw the recency bias out the window and look at the big picture of what's happened. And I think the Super Bowl is all about the culmination of the big picture. And w- when you see the big picture, 
Jimmy Garoppolo led the NFL this year in yards per attempt. He passed Patrick Mahomes in the last week of the season. It was Garoppolo number one at 8.4, Mahomes at number two at 8.3. Garoppolo has won games for the 49ers when he's had to throw the football a lot. He is 10-4 and four as the 49ers starter when he's had to throw 30 or more passes. And as we all know, having to throw 30 passes is not an ideal formula in the National Football League. You'd like to throw less often, but if he's had to, Garoppolo has come through from the game against the Saints this year to the game against the Seahawks this year in week 17 to clinch the division where he didn't throw an incompletion in the second half. He's had to come through. So I think that when you talk about game plans, the Chiefs are going to find a way to at least force the 49ers to throw the ball more. We're not going to see another one of those eight pass games just because they have more time to prepare on defense and just because Patrick Mahomes is so good. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to move the ball against this 49ers defense to the point where Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo is going to have to answer. And this season, Jimmy Garoppolo has always had an answer when he's needed to have that answer. I think the time of need for the 49ers will be in this Super Bowl and nobody's going to be talking about it. Everybody's going to be talking about um, uh, Patrick Mahomes and, 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 you know, the rocket arm and he, and he deserves it. He deserves a lot of that credit. But I think that this is going to be a lot like that 1984 Super Bowl where everybody was talking about Dan Marino, but then Joe Montana came out on top with a balanced performance. And and I think that's what we can expect from the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. They're a lot more balanced than people are and will be giving them credit for over the next two weeks. Well, that's certainly a prediction. Here's to hoping it comes true. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule covering the Super Bowl to talk with us. And again, listener, you can check out all of his work at The Athletic San Francisco and theathletic.com and subscribe to his podcast, Here's the Catch, which will be covering the Super Bowl to the Super Bowl and beyond. Thanks again, Dave. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So now it's time for a weekly segment called Power Up, Power Down. Power Up, Power Down. Okay, Amy, what's your uh, Power Up or Power Down this week? Uh, yeah, so we kind of referenced this before when we were talking about Kansas City, but I am going to power up to, first of all, the city of Kansas City and also uh, kind of the site the on Sunday yep, yep, when exactly. they barbecue. Yes, Same. exactly. I was going to do that too. But. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, when they, the site of them winning the AFC title game and then Clark Hunt, who's the son of Lamar Hunt, um, the current chairman of the franchise, uh, hoisting that AFC championship trophy uh, that mm. had is the Lamar Hunt trophy. It's his father's trophy. It's named for his father. Uh, it was really poignant, really touching to see. Um, and Rustin Dodd uh, wrote a story more on that and then kind of what this means to Kansas City um, at the athletic uh, Kansas City site. Um, but I just it was just really poignant and, and moving. And I, I was really happy to see it. And I think that uh, as we kind of touched on, there's going to be a lot of Kansas City storylines heading into the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, but that one was particularly memorable, seeing Clark Hunt lift that trophy with his father's name on it. Yeah, and and more a little bit more about the the Kansas City fan base. You know, you know, it's been fifty years, and that's all great and good that they got that done. But I just think Kansas City and the Chiefs fan base is one of the best fan bases in football. And these people are out in the one degree snow. They're they're diehard fans. It's such a great atmosphere for a game that I feel like this is going to be a real football game with these fans behind it at the Super Bowl. I can't wait to see what kind of crowd that they bring down to Miami. And I just think it's one of the, one of the better atmospheres in football. And so it's always good to see the the diehard kind of original six teams in the NFL, you know, make it. And, and, uh, you know, it just feels weird when the chiefs 
aren't relevant. And they've been really relevant in the AFC for a long time, but never really got over that hump. So it's just great to see. And again, hats off to the to the Hunt family for sticking with it. And, you know, they got a lot of things going on. They got FC Dallas uh, that they also operate and 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 do. So, you know, they got a lot of a lot of cards in the in the game, if you will. And and man, it's just great to see all that hard work finally pay off for them. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on this game for my power up, power down, and I'm gonna power up to Frank Clark because he really talked the talk on social media this past week when it when it came to stopping Derrick Henry, or not in social media in the locker room, when it kind of went viral on social media about yeah he's not that big to me he's easy to tackle and he's just not that great you know and everyone's just like oh man Frank Clark is absolutely asking for it. Or just wait for Derrick Henry to rush for 220 yards and four touchdowns, right? But it was not the case. They 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 somewhat stifled Frank Clark. So good for him to actually walk the walk after talking the talk. But I want to really power up to his moment after the game with with James Palmer from from NFL Network, and I'm going to play this audio clip because I think it's just gold. His response to to all this. Last two games, each game, 70 yards, over 200 yards each game. I know damn well we want to win the game if we let that happen. They come in here, he ran for 70 yards, they call him the best rush in the league. We're sitting in this home early. I posted the comments that you said to me, and all over social media, everybody said, you better watch your back, that you're saying things that you can't cash. Everybody on social media said, they must not know who I am yet. They're going to find out sooner or later when I got that ring on my finger. At the end of the day, we Champions, AFC, that trophy that got my own the last name on it, that the KC, that KC, ain't no fall off. Last year, jump off sides, all that. I told him when I got here, there's no change. Look at the, the best world. Go join. That's like a Richard Sherman moment. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Bart Scott, the like, can't wait, that kind <laughs> yeah. of just like so intense, passionate yeah. moment. I just, uh, you know, nominate for him for American Treasure status immediately. <laughs> <laughs> love, love me some Frank Clark, and man, how embarrassing would it have been if they had been blown out and and he would have had to answer those questions. But it's also funny where J- James is like, you know, people are talking about you on social media. He's like, who, who's talking about me? <laughs> that, you know, like why would anyone talk about me? Like, uh, man, what a what a great moment, and and I just want more Frank Clark. I'm gonna be tuned into his media day access uh, very tightly as the Super Bowl approaches. All right, so that's two power-ups for the Chiefs. We are clearly feeling the Chiefs uh, this week after they are heading to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. So that about wraps it up. Uh, sending our well wishes to Lindsay Jones, who's struggling yes. with uh, with a cough. We're thinking of you, Lindsay. Yes. Um, and we will thank you so much for listening. Check out all of our Super Bowl coverage. We've got a ton of stuff, obviously, on theathletic.com slash NFL. We've got the athletic slash Kansas City, the athletic Bay Area, whatever you want. You know, there's a ton of coverage. We it's got all podcasts, on there. Yep. we've got articles, it's all there. So check it out this week. And we will be back uh, later in the week with a bonus and next week as well with uh, more Super Bowl coverage. So thank you, Kent. And we will be back uh, next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.